Okay, so welcome to podcast number three. Um, again, I'm still pretty happy to see your smiling face. <laughs> Day three of lockdown. <laughs> We're still talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, I haven't started knitting my own uh, armpit hair into shawls yet, but that's day five. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's pretty nice to see you again. I'm, <laughs> I think that everything has happened so fast in the last mm. week um, that the world is not what it was a week ago. And next week, who knows? Who knows? Um, luckily, I like ramen, so that's uh, always a positive. Today's topic, what are we going to talk about today, Therese? Well, we are going to talk about a topic that is probably quite relevant for a lot of people listening at the moment, um, and that is how to get along with your significant other when you are cooped up in a small space for long periods of time. And obviously this is something that we have uh, direct experience of because we live on a boat, and this is a question that we actually get asked about all the time, which is... How does you how do you look after your relationship when you're living on a small boat together and you're with each other 24 hours a day, seven days a week? How does that impact upon your relationship and how do you stay sane and uh, make sure that you know your relationship remains healthy and uh, happy? So that is our subject for today. I think there's a lot of anecdotes that we have from, especially, and it tends to be, I'm not being sexist here, there's a lot of female partners on boats that find it very difficult to deal with their, deal with their male counterparts and you know I, I remember you telling me stories of uh, you know women on boats just coming up to you randomly who you'd never really met before and kind of like spilling their guts about mm -hmm. how do you deal with your bloke yeah well I'd, I'd turn that around and say that it's uh, it's sometimes the the male partner who is making life difficult because perhaps there's a lack of communication or perhaps there's a you know differences in expectations um yeah so i think that that's what we're going to talk about today is how we have uh, adjusted to life on board as a, a as a, a partnership i guess um and the pitfalls that we have uh kind of suffered through ourselves and also that we've seen from other cruising couples um, that we've met along the way. So, I mean, yeah. Look, and let me just quantify that. Um, it is the men that cause the problems. <laughs> I, I'm not suggesting in any way that this is otherwise. I, it is literally, and this is not me just being uh, sexist against my own gender. Uh, I, we've been doing this. We've been living on board for six years now, and I've sailed for I don't know, fifteen now. So yes, it's it's more often than not, it's the men that cause the problems. Um, so yeah, that, that's that. You just put that out there for like we get a lot of comments saying I am being sexist. I am actually being inversely sexist towards men. I think it is generally the men. What, what about in our relationship? Um, I, I think the thing is, you wear the bloody trousers. <laughs> I think that it's you know it's it's clearly clearly that um that, you know that's 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 where we are with this. Okay, so uh, let me just deal with um what I would consider the broad strokes to be. Um, and I will obviously pepper this with examples of people that we have met that tend to fulfill criteria that probably apply to a huge swathes of the sailing community. Um, and then, you know, obviously we won't mention the names of our friends, but I think, you know, if they are listening, they'll know who they are. Mm -hmm. um, I, but let me just start by saying that I think that most of this, most of the problem is poor communication skills. I totally agree. Yes, and I think also, well, let's start at the beginning, I think. Let's let's kind of go back. Um, 
what how many years now about five and when we left london yeah how many years ago was that five six, six years, years ago? now wow time flies uh, six years ago, you know, we moved onto our boat and we had been living very separate lives, really. I mean, we had, you know, the evenings together and we had some time over the weekend together, but we we're both working full time. I was doing shift work um, and on the weekend you would spend time down the boat. And obviously if I was working over the weekend, then we wouldn't see each other during the uh, on the weekend either. So we weren't really spending much time together. Um and we had, I think, what was probably a very typical relationship that a lot of couples have that, you know, live and work in big cities and, and you just, uh, it's a very frantic, fast-paced life and you snatch what little time you have and um, and that's that. And to go from that to living on a 38-foot monohull full-time, not having... Uh, our friends around, not having our family around, not having that usual support network, because don't forget that, you know, it's it's totally normal and natural to get frustrated with your partner once in a while, but most of the time you can, well, for women maybe particularly, you go out with your girlfriends and you have a moan and you have a drink and, you know... Oh, believe you... me, men do the same. Don't <laughs> you... think that we all sit in the pub not discussing me bloody girlfriend, she's done exactly. it. So it does and it's, it's natural. It's, it's, it's a way of venting and it's a way of, you know, kind of comparing notes and, and that's totally normal and natural and that allows you to go back to your partner at the end of the night and uh, give them a hug and a kiss and, you know, say to them that, you know, you you feel better now because um, you've you've vented to your friends and you've had a bit of space from each other. But of course, from you know the perspective of living on a boat, you don't have those opportunities. So it does turn into a bit of a pressure cooker um, when you're living on a boat with one other person. It's like those little things uh, turn into big things and suddenly you are becoming irritable. You don't have uh, much in the way of personal space. Uh, you don't have much privacy. You can't get away from the other person. And that is just one aspect of the issue. And the other aspect, of course, is the sailing itself and the lifestyle itself, which can put stresses and pressures onto you individually, um, particularly when uh, one of you is the skipper and the other one obviously is not. There can only be one skipper on a boat um, and there has to be one person in charge and that can cause a little bit of tension as well if that's not the dynamic that you're used to. Um, so that was an adjustment for me as well. Yeah, I think, look, if, again, I mean, you, you know, you know who we're talking about, you know, uh, of our friends that we've met. And they're, they're good friends. But and, and this is not just them. We see, I think the most common trait, the most common trait in all the couples that we have met that have some sort of not issues, but, you know, aren't as happy as they could be. were, you know, is that the man and it's normally the man who tends to be the skipper makes the decisions as to where they're going, what the route's going to be, what the time frame is going to be, and the woman just goes along with it. And while in their land-based relationship, everything was okay, and they had, you know, for want of a better term, pink jobs and blue jobs, you know, where certain aspects of the life were planned by one party, and certain aspects, you know, were planned by the other party. Um, we have found that problems occur where, again, normally the man will go, well, this is our route, this is what we're going to do, and I want to go here, and I want to go here, and we're going to go here and do 10,000 miles, and we're going to be here for June. And the woman just goes, yeah, right. And she doesn't get as much of a say in that aspect as she should do. 
And while, and this is the thing I, th I and, and again, you know, I'm speaking from Miles' perspective, I, and I obviously do need your your input from this. Um, I tend to feel that problems occur when you know the woman just goes, well, I don't know, much, I don't know much about it, so I'm just going to take a back seat in this. And I think that's where initial problems occur because there is there is total total lack of control um, on their entire lives from one party. So from a male perspective, I would say that how I think that. I um, look at our relationship. I desperately wanted you to be more involved in the decision making, and you had a resistance to that because you didn't know as much about sailing because I've been sailing for longer. So I think one of the adaptive processes that we had to go through was getting you to say, "Actually, I want to do this." Yeah, and I think that um, you know that that process is different for everyone, and I think that couples that learn to sail together have a huge advantage because they're learning everything at the same time and so they naturally fall into those roles that they're 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 better at or perhaps you know um one of them is i don't know has a little bit more time on their hands and so they're the one that is doing all the research and while their partner is at work and so you end up getting um you know a kind of more evenly dispersed base of knowledge and skill and experience between the two rather than one person having all of the knowledge and experience and skills and the other person coming in with very little, which is, which was our dynamic to begin with, because when I met Nick, he was already a very experienced sailor. And for the first, well, we are living together in five, for five years in London before we moved on to the boat. And I'll be the first to admit that in those five years, even though I knew that we were planning to move on to the boat, I didn't really... Um, take much of an active interest in in learning to sail as I probably should have done and I'll probably say because it, it just didn't seem like a very big part of my life at that time you know we were living in London and I had a full-time job I had a lot of friends um, and you know we'd go down to the boat every weekend but it, I, I would quite happily just let Nick kind of take the reins as it were and um, and just be along basically as a passenger and I didn't take much of an active interest in, in developing my skill base until we actually set off and it became my life rather than just something that I did once in a while. So, you know, that was something that um, I had to adjust to very quickly and I was happy to do so. But as I said, I do think that couples that uh, start at the same time and learn at the same time do tend to fare better in terms of that. Um, kind of onboard dynamic and that discrepancy between experience um which you know as i said is is not so much the case with those with those couples absolutely so you know point one is you know bring the less experienced partner up to scratch yes as quickly I, as you can that's right and i don't i think that both parties need to take responsibility for that because i think it's easy enough absolutely, to say yeah. you know to and let's i don't want to generalize and i certainly don't want to come across as as being in the least bit sexist but it is from our experience almost always there are exceptions but almost always the man in the partnership who is the skipper who has all the experience whose dream and passion this is and it's often the woman who has kind of been um you know encouraged and begged to come along and allow him to fulfill his dream of living and sailing on the water and we also get a lot of comments from our followers along the lines of i really want to go sailing how do i convince my wife to yeah. allow me to 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 do this okay so, so st or, or sorry, statistically it is more often the men but we do know right. a lot of females i mean tasha hacker 
you know, oh, she's you know course. she's a badass skipper. Yeah, absolutely. And Nikki Henderson and you know Dee Kafari and you know Ellen McCarthy. Uh, so yeah, but we're talking about cruising couples that yeah. we have met not yes. you know and, and as i very carefully said at the beginning of that it was a generalization and, and there were many obvious exceptions to that so in that case it is both parties responsibility to you know ensure that they have a strategy for getting uh kind of as i said a more kind of equal um footing well just just to, to share that experience and knowledge more equally yep okay so that's point one so as you say point one is if you are going to be happy on board both parties need to feel that they're contributing equally to the lifestyle just like you do at home normally at home when you're living in a house you don't have one person doing absolutely everything and the other person sitting back and you know binging on Netflix and and online shopping and nothing else you what? know you <laughs> what <laughs> you both contribute somehow to your lifestyle whether that's you know whatever whatever kind of way that manifests itself that's that's what happens so you, the same thing has to happen on a boat you both have to have control over your lifestyle con- being actively contributing to it and um you know, however that works for you, it, it, that that's up to you to sort out whether that means that, you know, the, the skipper remains very much the skipper and, and the, the kind of, I guess, the first mate knows the basics and they know kind of the basic amount that you safely need to know um, in order to be living on a boat, but no more. But they, you know, contribute to the lifestyle in other ways. So it's really up to you okay. to figure out what that happy medium looks like. Okay, so point two I'm going to make, which I think is something which is very personal to me, is you do have to, um, and especially as a man, be more open with your feelings about yes. things. And I think that almost caused us and me a particularly big hiccup in that I kind of took on board all the stresses of what we were doing um, a couple of years ago and didn't really put across how you know I wanted to slow down and I thought that you were okay and you thought that I was okay and neither of us were you know you wanted to speed up i wanted to slow down and literally we made an assumption i made an assumption i think we both did afterwards that everything was okay and it wasn't and i think from our learning experience was that you need to talk and the strong silent type of in a skipper that's not a good quality it's not not for shorthanded not when there's just two of you on board and um so i yeah so point two is um talk more communicate more and express yourselves more now we have again some some of our very best friends he is definitely the strong silent type does not express himself well does not talk well to her and it put a lot of strain on their marriage yeah absolutely i think communication is is definitely the second big point um to consider and uh you know as you say a lot of couples are going from living kind of on land um, you know, being very much um, set in their roles and set in their, their, you know, relationship dynamic and then they move on to a boat and there's a whole new set of challenges that they're having to deal with, um, a complete change of lifestyle and yet uh, they, they don't change the way that they're kind of behaving in terms of their communication. And I would say that um, sometimes it's really hard to not only be open and honest with your partner but also be open and honest with yourself about what it is that's making you happy, what it is that's making you unhappy, and to really tap into kind of whether or not you're you're feeling good about what you're doing. And I think that is actually just as important 
and I think that that is actually just as important as um, as communicating. You know, you have to know what to communicate first before actually opening your mouth and saying those words. And I don't think people who are stressed out, people who are feeling anxious, people who are feeling that they want to change things, people who are feeling any kind of, of those more negative emotions, particularly when you are supposed to be fulfilling your dream and living the lifestyle that you've always wanted to live, when you're not feeling 100% great about about that, it can be really difficult to be honest about that with yourself because you're thinking to yourself, you know, what's wrong with me? I should be totally on top of the world right now because we're finally living this lifestyle that we've been working towards for years. We're, you know, anchored off a beautiful beach. We're going swimming every day. We're, you know, drinking cocktails in the evening. We're watching the sun go down. What is it that I'm not totally happy about? So that can be one obstacle. Well, it's, it's a big one. So two is communication. Yes. Okay, so point three, which is something that we discussed recently, very recently, is triggers and having the discussion about triggers. Um, and it applies, you know, as we're all in self-isolation at the moment, but also um, having that discussion about what what triggers you. And I think that it is, it is sometimes, it is the little things. There are sometimes very small things that after it's happened six or seven times, you want to go and put a frying pan around someone's head. Um, and I think that, you know, we've talked about family members where you need to sit down and say, OK, well, what are the triggers? What really incenses you? Now, there's no point in pulling out a parchment scroll and coming up with point 0.17b is how you, you know, leave toast crumbs on the work surface. But I do think that you do need to at some point have a discussion about triggers that is not accusatory. And, you know, you could turn and say, listen, what, what unfortunately does get me is when you, you know, do certain things. I know what... I know what triggers you. He's leaving sand on the boat. <laughs> you know, I, and I understand. And yet. <laughs> I, <laughs> and yet. <laughs> when I Skyped you and I filled the bed full of sand. <laughs> so, but for instance, I know that I know that what absolutely incenses you is when I don't take the sand off my feet and I... And climb into bed. Climb into, well, I climb into bed, but I get sand around the boat. Uh, and the other thing that triggers you is when I leave wet footprints from a shower. And yet. <laughs> and yet. But I do try. I, I, you know, and there's other things that trigger you, like when I leave wet towels on the bed. <laughs> and yet. <laughs> so, but I think, yeah, but the point is you have, you have vocalised those to me and I do try. And to tell you the truth now, where would I rather be? Walking sand into, into a boat while we're anchored off some Caribbean beach or, or, or be stuck in quarantine? So <laughs> and now, now a little bit of sand seems like a small price to pay. The other thing about communication is that Obviously, it's not just a matter of saying the words to your partner. It's a matter of your partner listening and hearing you yes. at the same time. So I think that there is there can be this kind of deafness when your partner is saying to you, this is what is stressing me out. This is what I don't like about this lifestyle. This is what I want to change. It's easy to kind of brush that to one side and say, oh, you'll be right in a very Australian way. But I think that it's vitally important that you listen to your partner's concerns um, because if you don't then you will end up in a situation where things just get bigger and bigger and bigger and then it's much more difficult to deal with these these issues agreed agreed okay so the final point i want to discuss is how we deal with it how you and i deal with it um and how we find our space Yes. And our, our little escapes from 
you know the each, other. each other yeah that, and that's exactly it and to tell you the truth what i would say is you know it sounds a little bit negative i believe that genuinely our relationship is a damn sight stronger than it, it was five years ago i totally agree i think that our relationship is very very good very strong and it's because we have i think gone through this process yep. um so yes we identified very early on that it was very important for us to have time to ourselves and to um, allow ourselves to or allow each other to have time out in some way, shape or form. And that on a boat doesn't necessarily mean literally time apart because sometimes you can't physically get apart from the other person or get away from the other person. But you need to find things that are just for you. I believe. Yeah, absolutely. So, Nick, what do you do that is just for you? Well, I mean, for me, it's music. Yeah. You know, whether I'm listening to music with headphones on, so I'm kind of tuned out, zoned out from the world. Mm. Um, I play the guitar a lot, so, you know, I can go somewhere and, you know, play music, which I find very, you know, I kind of get lost in it. So music for me is a big thing. I'm not suggesting that if, as you set off on your cruising journey or you're in quarantine, you decide to take up playing the didgeridoo. uh, (laughs) I'm not suggesting that that will actually... Um, help your relationship but you know so from that point of view you know being able to immerse yourself in something that actually is just for you whether it's video games if that's your thing or reading which I think is one of your things Mm. or music you know and I've found that personally just being able to spend an hour playing the guitar trying to learn a new piece and just switching off yes it's really it's 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 so good for my well-being my mental health that's right and what i do is i i as nick says i read um a lot i also um do workouts most days and on the boat that's not an easy thing to do because you don't have much space but you know i uh, i find a little spot for my my yoga mat and i do about half an hour 45 minutes every day um when possible and i find that to be really therapeutic it's not just good i don't do it really for the physical benefits um i do it more for the mental the mental benefits um so those and and also uh i i personally and i think nick as well we both need a creative outlet and for you that's your music and for me that is one reason why i started the our youtube channel to begin with because i wanted a kind of a creative project yeah and that, that's worked very well for us yeah well i mean that that's yeah absolutely so that you know, kind of wraps up this week's podcast. So to recap, if we can recall all of the points that we made, I think one was, uh, first point was uh, kind of an uh, equality on board, whatever that looks like for you, yes. but equality on board. Second was, well, I might not be getting this in the right order, but definitely communication yep. um, between um, the, the, the two people on board. And yep. that means being honest with yourself, being honest with your partner and listening to your partner when they are bringing up issues. Yes. Third point was identifying triggers yep. and uh, trying to uh, deal with them, um, either just accepting that that's, you know, your partner's little... Peccadillo. Peccadillos, or making an effort to actually change your behaviour. Um, and fourth is uh, time out and personal, personal time, personal space and doing something that is just for you and not necessarily something that you do together absolutely agreed and as i said you know it sounds i don't think this has been a particularly negative discussion i think it's been a a robust discussion (laughs) um but i think you know but as i said it's really worked for us Uh, and you know and all we're trying to do is impart a little bit of something that we've learned that really no one taught us about i mean it's not as if we got this you know there's a book about it you know this is there are you can read a view you can learn how to trim a sail on the on the internet but you can't learn how to kind of like safeguard your relationship you have to learn these things the hard way anyway look uh, 
it's made our relationship stronger mm -hmm. and we are still absolutely loving what we do and i think as testament to our relationship we are still pretty excited about you know the next five ten years of sailing and beyond absolutely okay well podcast number three um we will be back with um more podcasts on subjects to put to us by you know our viewers our followers our patrons and so um we'll see you again soon so goodbye goodbye I'm gonna love you, babe. Cross my heart, hope to die.